This is your Places Call. You're listening to Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by Emerson Seal. Emerson is best known for her Theater World award-winning performance as Young Violet in Violet on Broadway. Emerson, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing super, super well. We're so excited to get to chat today. Same here. It's like the best way to start off a Sunday and a Sunday where I had nothing else planned. I'm like, I just get to relax and and chat with two wonderful ladies. This sounds awesome. (laughs) I You gotta love like a nice chill Sunday with just some (laughs) chit-chatting. This is always the best part of our day, so we are so excited to have you here. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. So as we were talking about, we like to start off our show with our 60-second life story segment. So I'm going to start my stopwatch, and you know, you just give us your whole life. <laughs> you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. So I was born, and then I had colic, and my mom had said from day one, this girl has lungs of steel, um, and my last name's Steel, so I feel like that's also pretty fitting. Uh, but then I tried about everything uh, under the moon. I tried soccer, I tried tennis, and nothing worked, and I hated being outdoors. So around eight years old, I started taking dance class after seeing a friend in a recital, and then from there, the rest is history. Started taking voice lessons and acting, and uh, started auditioning in New York when I was about 12 years old. And then at 14, I made my Broadway debut, went back to high school right after that and did the whole high school thing while still coming up to New York and performing. Now I'm at NYU Gallatin and I'm about to start my senior year. And also I'm working a job in marketing. Amazing. All right. I was- like 59 seconds for you, for anyone that's not watching the video right now, it was 59 seconds. So that's very impressive. And very comprehensive in 59 seconds, <laughs> I might say. I normally blabber all over the place. So I was like, ever since stay focused. <laughs> so <laughs> the way. I'm the same way. Well, first of all, I agree with you. Outdoors, bad. Inside. Yeah, we, we don't do that. We don't. Yeah. Us theater kids don't do that. No. no. Listen, if I have to be outside to like walk around the city, that's great. But nature, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I got stung by a bee when I was doing uh, tennis and that was it. I, I was like, I quit. Nope. Nope. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> a friend of mine took me on a hike in like November and I was like, this is weird. <laughs> how, how dare. <laughs> how dare they? <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> so I'm really curious, like how you got over to the city. You said you grew up in Georgia, right? So like, how did you get over to the city to start auditioning? Yeah, so, uh, well, my mom is a performer, which is kind of hilarious that she never really thought, oh, we should put her in dance class. We should have her do voice lessons. I was scouted by a modeling agency when I was little, and my mom was like, mm, no, we want her to make her own own choices. Now I'm like, well, mom, I, I would have loved to do that, uh, but I, I appreciate her letting me be an independent child. Uh, But all that to say, around the age of nine or 10, I think it was, I started doing this, um, like, summer intensive, this theater camp called Broadway Dreams Foundation, and they would come to Atlanta, and they would bring casting directors from Telsey, 
and we'd audition for them at the end of the week. And it was probably my second time doing it, I believe. And I auditioned for them and they were like, hey, can we take a video of you for uh, the Annie on Broadway revival? And I was like, uh, yeah, what? Um, and so I did that and then ended up six months later getting a random call back and then flew up here. It was my first time auditioning in the city and it was awesome. I got another call back. Then a few months later, got another call back that I just video and sent in. But at this point, I was 12 years old, but I was five foot two, which uh, I'm not very tall. I'm five six. I or like, honestly, that's pushing it. I'm like five five. Um, but I just I guess I grew really early. And to be a kid on Broadway, it's normally four foot 11 and under. So ended up not being right for that, not being right for Matilda, all the shows kind of going on at that point. And then had a friend uh, while I was up here doing a different Broadway intensive at Broadway Artists Alliance, a friend asked me if I was going to audition for Violet. And I was like, what is that? Uh, looked it up, saw Sutton Foster was going to be the lead in it and that I would be auditioning to play younger her. And my mom was like, Emerson, you should do it. She's like five foot 11. This is like your one like big chance as a tall child uh, to maybe do something. And after a little bit more encouragement, I went and kind of the rest is history. But yeah, thanks to multiple Broadway uh, intensives. That's kind of how I made my way up here. That's incredible. So I feel very lucky. <laughs> insane <laughs> so I guess what was that audition process like like you, you're in the city at this point so how are you getting in that room and that whole yeah thing? so there was an open call um and it was for the one night only concert version at Encore City Center um initially and there was an open call I was uh EMC which is like equity membership candidate because I had done a Christmas Carol at the Alliance Theater in Georgia. And so I'd gotten a few points towards uh, becoming equity. So I was able to get in the room like a little bit early, but not before, you know, all the equity people. And I, I just went in and I sang a 32 bar cut. And then the casting director was like, hey, can you sing another song? I sang another song and then thought nothing of it left. Went to go see the revival of Annie on Broadway um, with my mom and then went home to Georgia and two or three days later, my mom got a call that they wanted me to come back up for a callback. So we flew back up the next weekend, which was the start of a lot of last minute flights. And I auditioned and then they called my mom into the room afterwards and were like, hey, can, can she come back tomorrow for final callbacks? And so we rescheduled our flight because we had us flying out early in the morning, rescheduled the flight and I went in and did the final callbacks in front of the entire creative team, Janine Tesori, Lee Silverman included. And I left, went back to Georgia. And then three days later, my mom picked me up from school and was like, so you booked it. Uh, and so we ended up coming up to New York and I did uh, two, or I guess two weeks up here working on the show. And then I ended up doing the a Broadway Artist Alliance intensive afterwards because it just kind of timed out well. And then went back home for six months and heard nothing of it. Got a random call asking my mom to check my height in 
November and I, my mom checked my height. I hadn't grown. We were like, okay. I, I went off to tap class that night and came home and my dad was like, we're, we're gonna need to talk to you when you get home. And I was like, oh no. I thought it was cause I had been really sassy to my mom before going to tap class. And I was like, I'm in trouble. I'm gonna be grounded. Like this is the end. And he said it in such a like funny stern way. I know he was just trying to mess with me. Got home, we were at dinner and my parents kind of laid on the news that Violet was going to Broadway and they wanted me to go with it. And it was the most insane thing ever. I think still to this day, there's a part of me that doesn't believe it happened because of the way it happened and the, uh, the way that I kind of moved up here on like four months later and did the show. And it's just the craziest whirlwind of luck and awesomeness. Uh, so yeah, it was like one audition process. And then I was lucky enough that they wanted to keep me on board. That is so cool. And that is I amazing. Oh my gosh. I love that you were scared of your dad grounding you. That's every kid knows that. that yeah, I was like, I've been, I was really, I, I was, I still am very sassy. Um, it's something that I'm still working on. And so I was like, oh, I'm definitely in big trouble. And no, I think my parents forgot that I had been mean. <laughs> well, you know, just that once. <laughs> there are some other eventful things that may have happened that day that maybe overshadowed some sass. <laughs> so when you get back up to the city to kind of move on with the Broadway run, I guess how is that rehearsal process? Like what is that experience like for you, especially at so young? It was it was crazy. I I think what was the weirdest thing was the first day of rehearsal. Uh the day before I believe they had just announced the casting so I hadn't really been able to tell many people that I was moving I, I of course told my teachers and we figured out a system for me to to uh, tutor with people and and do my work up here and I told a few of my closest friends I was told that if someone directly asked me if I had been cast in the show I could say yes but I couldn't just tell people and so a few people knew some didn't and I just kind of was here and my mom would walk me to rehearsal every day we'd pick up a blueberry muffin on the way I would eat it kind of right before rehearsal started but the first day was the craziest let me get back to my point um because I I guess I didn't expect for us to run the whole show or do a full read through with song and so half of the cast had done the show um at encores and then half of the cast was new and so I, I was like just singing the music like we had done at Encores. It had been six or way more than six months at that point, probably eight months, um, but just kind of hopped right back in. And immediately, I mean, working with adults at, at a, like the fun age of 14 where you're, they all held me to a certain like regard and definitely treated me like a young adult, uh, which I really appreciated because I, I was in that, in between phase of like not being a kid kid but still being a kid um but it was just the most magnificent magnificent experience everybody was just always so kind always there and it was amazing just to watch everybody work and to get to learn from that that's incredible so i mean obviously it was such an incredible show for you but what would you say was your favorite aspect of being in violet oh man honestly 
I mean, the obviously performing was so special and the neatest thing I've ever done, but I will say being backstage with the uh, crew and stage management, um, stage hands was the best. There, There's a number in the show called Raise Me Up and I was not in it because I'm changing into like my scar and blood and bloody dress and bloody hair. And I would always uh, get that done within like three minutes. And so I'd have like the four last minutes of the song and backstage, we would all just like dance and party it up. And right before going on for a very emotionally intense and like serious scene, but I think it helped to kind of get out of breath from dancing. And, um, and so that was my favorite part was just making those connections with everybody in the show. I, the people I still talk to the most are some, some of the people that were behind the scenes and I uh, did all of that and made the show run. And so it, it was just so fun to kind of get to like break character and just hang out with everybody. That's always the backstage moments are always like the most special. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm really curious, you ended up winning a Theater World Award for your performance in this show. How did you find out that that was on the table and what emotions you experienced when you found out you won? Yeah, so I honestly had no idea what the Theater World Awards were. I knew obviously what the Tonys were and had watched like so many of my cast members and the show get nominated, which was so cool. And then uh, there were the Drama Desk Award nominations that came out and um, maybe a few others. And I was like, okay, cool, award season's done. Like, go Violet, we did some awesome stuff. And then I wake up, I, I use, usually would sleep in until like 11 because I'd be exhausted from the show before. And uh, my agents that I was about to sign with um, called my mom and they were like, Emerson won a theater world award. And my mom's like, okay. Um, and they explained that it was like the longest running award in the Broadway community. And that it's extremely special because you can only win it once. And, you know, you have to make your Broadway debut in a role that is, uh, you know, a, a standout role in some sort of way. You have to at least be featured in the show. Um, and so there were so many aspects where the puzzle pieces had to align and fit um, to make it happen. And so we, I read up all on it. I read people who had won in the past, like huge, huge people that I look up to who won a theater world, world award back in like the seventies and eighties and nineties. And it was just, it, it was crazy. Um, Cause I just didn't know it was even possible. And then everybody started telling me about the awards and going to the awards was the so awesome I I mean just getting to kind of have that moment and have special people around me um and to meet other people who had won it I won the same year as Zachary Levi who I think is wonderful and um it was cool to like connect with him. I think Brian Cranston also won the same year uh, as me, which was really freaking cool, but I, I never met him, but it was just crazy to be surrounded by such talented people. 
Um, and yeah, I, I still feel so lucky and the award is so heavy and everybody told me that, but I didn't quite realize it until I like accepted it on stage and I was like, oh, okay. So I'm still very like cautious of that. And I, I've, it's, it's in Georgia. I, I just want to keep it in a safe spot because it's, it's so precious to me, but yeah, I, I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky that that happened and that the stars aligned in that way. That's incredible. I gotta know, where in Georgia are you keeping this? Is this like in your childhood bedroom? <laughs> my parents actually just moved. So it was in, it was in my childhood bedroom. I had kind of a shelf, multiple shelves with all the important things from shows. I also had like a Miranda Sings um, VIP pass because I'm still very much, I all, I watch the Miranda videos still, um, but I'm such a huge fan of Colleen Ballinger. And so I, when I was like way too old to be going to a Miranda Sings concert, I went and uh, so I just had like all this memorabilia. I had an Abby Lee Miller bobblehead, um, but it was up there with all of those things. And I had a special penny that my grandma gave me when I was auditioning for Hairspray for the role of Penny. And she told me to wear it in my shoe and I ended up getting the role. So kept that penny. There's just special things there. However, my parents just moved um, into our new home. And so it's currently in safekeeping, but in a box. And it reminds me that when I go in July, I need to pull it out because I feel like it's a little disrespectful for it to be in a box. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, you definitely have to put it up, put it on display. Yes. There's yeah. to be proudly displayed because it's such a huge accomplishment, like incredible. Thank you. So now earlier that award season, you know, we were just talking about the Tonys, you guys performed on the Tonys. You know, 14 years old, Tony Awards, totally chill. As we all do when we're 14, casually. <laughs> Just, you know. So what was that experience like? I imagine that must have been really nerve-wracking. <laughs> I have never felt the urge to vomit out of nervousness more in my entire life. Um, yes. So we had, we created, or we didn't, our, our wonderful director and composer and team created a medley for us to do. And it was uh, On My Way and Raise Me Up, but On My Way was more similar to the version Sutton has on one of her first albums that she put out. And in it, she hits a higher note than I did in the show. And when we were first rehearsing it, they gave me that note to hit. And I just remember Sutton being like, yeah, give the kid the high note. And I was like, okay, that's a lot of pressure, but, but cool, cool, cool. Um, and so that's the thing I was most nervous about was just, I was like, I have to hit this note. Like I'm at Radio City, but also all the people watching. And I, I didn't really get in my head too much, but I was just very nervous. But I also had so much adrenaline because we were up at probably 4 a.m., went to rehearse the opening number, then we rehearsed our number and then went back to the theater, did a matinee. I went and grabbed dinner with my friends super quickly, went back to the theater, got all dressed up in costume and headed uh, to Radio City to perform. And so I think I just was running on so much steam that that note was gonna come out no matter what and I didn't need to worry so much. And, and it did and it was, an incredible experience. And I, I got to meet Hugh Jackman, which was so crazy cool. And I got to see, it's really funny. 
um, Sutton was totally fangirling over him. And now they're going to be on Broadway together, which I just love. Um, that's <laughs> like so cool. She was like, Emerson, he's so charismatic. And I was like, I know. And now they're playing opposite each other. So that's really cool. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome experience. Definitely one of my favorite like experiences I've had in my lifetime. Um, hundred percent. Yeah. That's actually insane. Like just cross off the bucket list that, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just performing with Tony's. So I have to know, what was it like working with Sutton? Like, were you guys close slash are you guys still close? Absolutely. She's awesome. She's so grounded and quirky. And I just, she would show up to rehearse. Like, she's just so naturally stunning. Um, and just would like show up to rehearsal, like looking like she just came, like came off the street. And I, I just was always so impressed by the fact that she was just so like, present and there um and we definitely had so many special experiences there was one day in rehearsal where um they brought us like little makeup pens and we drew scars on each other's faces kind of where we thought or like envisioned the scars being um and then we like touched each other's scars and we did kind of some different exercises like mirroring each other and we we are very naturally similar um, I, I was told when I first auditioned for the show that I walked in and I was like slouching. I, I have very, very bad posture. Sutton, Sutton has great posture. She just like, like uses her body in kind of like a, I, I don't know, comedic way. And so I guess by nature, I was doing the same thing. And, um, apparently they were like, please let her be able to sing just because <laughs> we had the same mannerisms, um, and but all that to say she and I definitely got very close I also like love her dad got to know him very well and I'll still talk to him from time to time on social media and and I still also catch up with Sutton we did um a big kind of like violet zoom about a year ago when like kind of in the middle of the pandemic and that was really cool I got to um meet like Sutton's daughter through the screen I've also like dog sat for Sutton since so she's just she's awesome and I'm so excited I have tickets to go see her in the music man uh had tickets as of like two and a half years ago um and they were like my grandma's 80th birthday present now she's gonna probably be 83 by the time we see it but uh yeah I she's such a special person and I she deserves the world we couldn't agree more. <laughs> that was great. I really want to see Music Man. I'm dying. I, I got to get my tickets. I'm so excited for it. And that makes me so happy that she's a good person because she's been my number one idol prize since I was like seven and I dressed up as Fiona and Shrek. Oh. So I love that. Yeah, no, she's, she's so lovely. So just so down to earth. I can't like, I can't say that enough. It's just, she's so normal. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, that must have been such a cool experience. <laughs> it was the whole, I mean, I just I had the best cast in general. I'm so forever lucky. I have so many special people in, in that cast that I still just hold so closely. My heart. <laughs> so I guess, what about performing on Broadway? You know, the, the experience as a whole, would you say was the most surprising? Like, what would you 
have wished you had known going into it? I think I kind of always held it in this like regard of thinking it would feel different or that it would um I mean it's obviously such a like huge deal sorry my light's flickering um it's such a huge deal um but I I think I just held it on this pedestal and thought that it was going to feel different than performing on any other stage and I I've just been blessed with really wonderful experiences so there's that in general like I've always been lucky working with awesome people but I I think what I would have told myself is to not be so damn nervous um and and think of it as anything different than performing on as a stage in Atlanta a stage in New Orleans um like it, it just it feels the same and there's something really humbling about that and also really exciting to me because I, I just was like, okay, I know this. I've, I, I've been here before. And obviously there was all the press stuff and there, there, there were the like bells and whistles that came with it that make it feel different. But being on that stage specifically, it, it felt like anything else just with people who are more well-known in the industry. So I think that was something that was really cool about it. And it, it might not seem like, I, I don't mean to put it down as like, oh, it's just normal. It, it's absolutely not, but it feels like performing anywhere. And I think it feels like home in that way. Or a stage is a stage. Definitely. I mean, performing from like a little basement to on Broadway, you still just get that sense of pride and joy. So I think that's incredible Yeah. To hear someone that was on Broadway say that. <laughs> so that's awesome. So now a few years down the road, you put on your own concert at 54 Below. So how did that opportunity come about and how do you craft your concert? Yeah, that, that was a, a crazy one. I had always dreamt of performing at 54 Below and I had, I believe I did one or two shows before I did my solo show. I can't quite remember, but uh, Jennifer Ashley Tepper, who is kind of, she is 54 below in my mind. Um, she reached out to me and, or I guess, yeah, me and my mom um, and asked if I wanted to perform a solo show. And I was like, what, me? <laughs> oh, okay, but like, you sure? And it, it was really cool though. My mom was a huge part in helping me put it together and she's really great at bringing out like the comedic parts of me that I don't necessarily show um and so she ensured that we had like some fun moments there my assistant director from Violet was um my director on the show and so she also had just some awesome brilliant ideas added in some choreography and it was just so cool I got to include a lot of my friends and um, also a lot of the people I worked with on Violet, um, a lot of the musicians played, um, and were my band. And so it was just, it was awesome to kind of like get to do it with family. And my, I had had knee surgery three months prior, I believe. And a, it was supposed to be like a five to seven week recovery. They ended up having to do way more than planned and it was a 20 week recovery. So I was really, really pushing it. Um, but it also gave me a lot of time because I had to recover and go to PT. So I would just sit and 
uh, work on scripts. I, I would kind of write up a script and my mom would kind of edit it um, to sound a little bit more natural because I have a tendency to write like I'm writing an essay at all times. Um, and then I, I would sit and like listen to the music, sing the music that I had planned. And so it was honestly a blessing to have that downtime to really focus in on it. Um, and then when I got up here, it was kind of just like I was able to do it. Um, and there are definitely, you know, moments where I was like, oh gosh, I said the wrong line or this note wasn't the best. But when you're doing a solo show and especially when my voice was very much in a developmental phase, um, I was pretty proud of myself for, for what I was able to do. And I had a lot of awesome help. Um, and so it, it's fun to still go back and like watch one of the videos here and there and just be like, that that was a really cool thing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, doing a freaking solo show, I give you so much credit. I That takes so much, so many chops, like mad props to you. <laughs> Thank you. I've had a few uh, friends who produce at 54 Below be like, so when do you want to do another? And I'm like, not for a very long time. <laughs> But thank you so much. I keep on saying, I'm like, maybe once I graduate college um, and have the time to like focus in on it. But I, you have a different sort of confidence when you're younger. Now it's it's like, I really can't imagine myself doing that. It, it takes so much. And I, I really admire my friends who are doing solo shows right now and who are performing on stage. It, I'm, it's gonna be weird. Uh, to do whatever my first performance ends up being um, back. I, I like, I hadn't really thought about that too much yet, but really, really just impressed with people. <laughs> yeah, for real, couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, when you are doing something, let us know. We'd love to see. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, what would you say was like the most challenging aspect of crafting that show? I mean, obviously you had a lot of downtime to kind of focus in and hone in on it, but what was sort of what were you toying with mentally with it? I think a big thing is I have a decently hard time just like talking on stage. Um, I can host like that. That's not too difficult, but I don't know. I have a hard time not like being myself, but also kind of being myself when there's like a script to follow and I can't just like go off on a tangent for two hours. Um, and so I, and I definitely used the script a lot, but I did end up, you know, putting my own twist on things. So I think the biggest thing was just taking what I'd written and what my mom had helped me with and kind of making it like doing it enough times to where it was natural. Um, and then also I did Tevia's Dream and I did all the characters in Tevia's Dream. And I had like a mustache that I was using, like a head scarf, all these different props. And I definitely could have rehearsed that one a little bit more. Um, so I would say that was also pretty difficult because I've loved that song. I did Fiddler on the Roof when I was maybe 11 and have loved, loved that song, wanted to do it and, and make it funny, make it this whole gimmick. Um, but didn't realize how much prep went into the prop aspect of it. And so I know there, there was like a moment in it where I like said the wrong word and that'll forever haunt me. I'm sure like I, it just got a lot of laughs. Everybody knew I was all over the place. Um, so yeah, just definitely rehearsing that one a little bit more and then also making um, talking. It, talking can be really hard. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I feel like getting words out sometimes, like what is English, um, 
we don't know it went away <laughs> all the time i'm like I, I give presentations through work now and, and still through school and i've taken public speaking twice now and i think i only get worse at it um which is kind of funny it's it's once again that like confidence you have have as a, a child or some, like someone who's younger where you can just like do things more easily and now it's like there's a mental block i feel you there yeah. <laughs> so now speaking of school you're heading into your senior year at nyu gallatin so that's like an individualized study program so you kind of diy your own major so how did you DIY your own major. How did you figure out what you wanted to study there? Yeah, so I, I went into school knowing I I had a probably a list of about 15 different things I wanted to do and uh, went in being like, maybe I'll do some fashion, maybe I'll study cults, maybe um, I'll do this, do that. And uh, event planning was another big thing. And I didn't realize that I, um, as a student at Gallatin, you do have the opportunity to take courses in other schools within NYU, but there's a lot of courses that are restricted because they're either for majors that had to audition to get in or they just don't have room in those courses. So fashion kind of went bye-bye. Event, event planning kind of went bye-bye. There weren't really enough courses on cults. Um, and so I kind of settled on psychology, which I knew going in that was probably going to be my main focus but there were these other things that were interesting to me and uh i just kind of started taking classes that interested me classes i could get into um and then my sophomore year i took a class on hiroshima and had this awesome professor who um it it was a very interdisciplinary course and so uh, there was a, a lot of focus on the art that came from um, this horrible, tragic devastation. And there was poetry, there was photography, there was film, um, books written. And so it kind of got my mind thinking um, about the art that comes from trauma. And so I crafted this major of uh, how trauma inspires art. And I've continue to take courses that are relevant, but it, it's kind of mind boggling to me that every piece of art and any art in general has a story to it. And usually it comes from a personal place. And um, I think there's something really beautiful about having an outlet like that for one's trauma. Um, I've seen it in my personal life with how, how people have dealt with certain um, hardships that they've gone through. And so I, I just became fascinated in it and had a lot of courses that just kind of made sense. And so here, like here, here's my major. I mostly, if people ask, I'm just like, I'm studying like psychology and art and entertainment and that, but it, it the official title is how trauma inspires art. That's so cool. I mean, I think that's just so interesting that you get to design your own major and make it like really personalized to what you want to study. I think that's amazing. It's been really cool. I definitely, it's still, I'm definitely still at a point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I wish I could have taken this course. Or I, I sometimes I'm like, I wish I had had like a straight and narrow path. Cause then I don't think I'd be like yearning for other um, for, like forms of education but it is really freaking cool that I've gotten to do this and kind of have my own like piece of me that's my degree and not just 
what we're told to do. Yeah, so cool. So now, how do you balance school, auditioning, work, like all of that? How, like, how are you doing? Lots of emotional breakdowns, um, therapy. Um, that's the, the, the truth. Um, I don't handle stress very well. So that's something I'm definitely working on a lot. And um, it, it definitely runs in the family. My dad owns his own business and he I, he's one of the busiest people I know, but also doesn't handle stress super well. So I definitely got that from him. But we also, like my family just likes to be busy. So we kind of put it on ourselves. Um, but I think a big thing is uh, that I actually learned in middle school and high school was time management. I went to the most wonderful school in the world. It's called Rivers Academy. And uh, it was in Alpharetta, Georgia, tiny little um, like house and then building attachment. and. Um, I, I really like cultivated so many special relationships with my teachers and I was able to because we only had a graduating class of 32 people my year. Um, so very, very tiny school. But all that to say, um, my school was three days a week for four hours each day. And then we had a bunch of work we did on our own at home. And so I learned that if I wanted to go to New York the next day for an audition, I had to get this done before then. I, I couldn't wait till the last minute. And I, I learned by just kind of always having to balance it, how to balance it. Um, and I'm very proud to say I've never once pulled an all-nighter or um, I, I've never once turned in an assignment past the deadline or asked for an extension. And I think it really is because I, I will procrastinate, absolutely. But I set myself, like I set my own deadlines for myself and I have to just sometimes hunker down and, and do the work. Um, and it goes for all things in my life. So now that I'm working kind of a nine to five job and also auditioning and focusing on my thesis this summer and starting to write that, um, it's definitely a, a journey and a progress and every day is different and it toys with my emotions, but I think it's the same thing when it comes to time management, it's just getting it done. Um, and whether it's fun or not, um, just making it happen. And my job, my job is definitely a lot more fun than school. Um, but so I, I get more excited to do that stuff, but then like this weekend I was like, I need to work on this. And so I just took yesterday and started working on a book list that I have to put together and starting small. Chunking it out, gotta get it done, but yeah. Mad props to you. Your life seems insane, but you're doing incredible. <laughs> like, thank you. thank you so much. Yeah, I don't, I, I like, I really want a hobby. Like I, I want to crochet or something. I really like cooking. So that's kind of my like sane place. That, that's my comfort zone um but sometimes cooking stresses me out especially when I um crack like the yolks when I'm making eggs I I'm like mm -mm, that that's a tragedy and I will have a mental breakdown if that happens again um but I I definitely want to find a hobby and I'm like hopefully maybe once I graduate I'll, I'll be able to crochet or so or take up some new dream <laughs> I love that yeah, I feel like quarantine, I'm very much the kind of person, my work-life balance is like zero, but quarantine, I picked up the ukulele and like whenever I'm stressed, I just play my ukulele. <laughs> I love that. I Music is such a good outlet and I need to get to the point where it doesn't stress me out like 
where I know how to play something well enough to the point where it's not like I'm learning. Cause I think I, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm done learning. I, I, I want to just shut it off and watch a YouTube video or watch High School Musical, the musical, the series, um, because I am. Yes. When it comes yes. To 100%. <laughs> but I, I love that. And I think it's so important to have an outlet like that, especially music. Yeah, for sure. All right. So kind of wrapping it up, um, we'd like to finish up on this question. What piece of advice would you say you would give to past Emerson, you know, young Emerson getting into the arts, looking ahead? What piece of advice would you give to her where you are now? Oh, you know, it, it changes and definitely the point where I am in my life now, I think it, it's kind of the typical don't grow up so fast. And I, I didn't, I've, I've very much, I have, I'm still a child, very much so, but there was always this mentality ever since I started working around the age of 12, um, I guess, where I, I was like, okay, my next job, my next, um, like, I, I just want to keep working. You're going to work your entire life in some aspect, like, go out and play a little bit more. Um, I, I think my form of play as a kid, um, or in preteen was to like sing songs with my friends in my basement. And um that it was awesome and I like wish I could do more of that now uh but I think just like doing a little bit more of the typical preteen teen things and while I have no regrets whatsoever I think just I I get to a point often where I feel a little burnt out and so I think if I had prepped myself a little bit more as a young kid then um I, I maybe wouldn't feel that way and not everything would like feel like work. Um, performing really doesn't, but it's just a matter of getting on that stage because definitely auditioning is very hard. Training is hard. Um, and there's a lot of payoff eventually, but it, it's, it, you got to remind yourself there is going to be that payoff. So I would say that. And then I would also just, um, I would tell little Emerson to, uh, keep a hold of her uh, childlike qualities and her resilience. And I, I had just, I, I always, if somebody told me no, I was like, yes, I'm gonna do this. And I, I would just push forward. I, I had so much perseverance. And I think some of that has gotten lost in the shuffle. So I would have been like, take note of that, keep hold of that Emerson. For sure. Well, I think that's the perfect note to end on. Emerson, this was amazing. It was so exciting to finally get to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been fantastic. Thank you both. This has been so fun. And it, it's so fun to kind of like relive this stuff. And I, I blabber a lot because I so many thoughts come to my mind when these questions are asked. Cause I, I just don't, I don't think about these things as much anymore. So it's, it's fun to kind of go back down memory lane. Oh, we loved hearing all about it and getting to talk to you. And to connect with Emerson on Instagram, follow at Emerson Steele, where you can keep up to date on her latest projects. Be sure to follow Theatrical Thoughts at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast on Instagram as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye.